have your Bible this morning, open it up in the Old Testament to one of the minor prophets, the prophet Haggai. Open to the book of Haggai, if you would, this morning, as we are beginning a new study through this book, the book of Haggai. Over the next several weeks, I want us to walk through this book together as God's people. And this morning, I want to really prepare us for that by just sharing with you what will be the major focus of this book, a focus that I believe is needed in our day and time, and that major focus is revival. The book of Haggai is really about revival, the people of God in his day needing to be revived about their commitment to God, their commitment to the things of God. And this will be shown through the book as we walk through it together by their commitments. Their commitments and their priorities, their commitments to purity, just their commitments to the practicing of the Word of God, just their commitment to the very purpose of what it is that God had called them to do. As it happens today, the people in Haggai's day had become complacent. They had become complacent in regards to their love for the Lord and their worship and their work for Him. And what I really want us to see this morning is that this didn't happen overnight. Instead, this was something that really happened as the days and as the weeks and as the months and as the years continued to go by. That the people gradually drifted in their commitment to the Lord, and their commitment to the worship of God as it should have been, and to the work that God had purposed for them to do. Thus they lost their focus, they lost their mission, they lost their purpose, something that they did have at one time. Let me just show you that this morning. If you're there in Haggai, if you look down in verse 1 of chapter 1, we're told that this begins in the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month. This is when the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai. Now I want us to stop right there for a moment. Because Darius' second year, when he is the king, is in 520 B.C., and if you keep that in mind for a moment, and you now turn back with me, stay in the Old Testament, but go back to the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra is key. If you want to properly understand what Haggai is all about, you must go back to the book of Ezra. And in Ezra chapter 1, in verse 1, we are told here that it is the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. In order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. So that he sent out a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. 
Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And every survivor at whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, together with a freewill offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. So we see here Cyrus, king of Persia, issues a proclamation that the people of God were supposed to come back to Jerusalem to begin the rebuilding of the temple. He does that because if you look over in chapter 2 and verse 1, we see that these are the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away to Babylon. These are the ones, he says, return to Jerusalem in Judah. You see, the people of God had been in captivity for almost 70 years. And this is what it's being referred to back in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. That Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied and they had said that they were going to be in captivity for 70 years. That 70 years is about to come to an end. So God stirs the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to issue this proclamation that sends the people back. And they're to go back to rebuild the temple. Now here's what I want you to see. Cyrus... His first year of ruling is in 538 B.C. So when you read in Haggai, there in chapter 1, verse 1, of the second year of Darius' reign, that's in 520 B.C. This begins back in 538 B.C., so we're talking about an 18-year time span. Now, when this proclamation was issued here by Cyrus... We see beginning over in chapter 2 that the people begin to go back. It's around 50,000 people go back to Jerusalem, go back to Judah there for the rebuilding of the temple. If you look over in chapter 3 for a moment, go over to Ezra chapter 3, that we see in verse 8, it's in the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month. So now we're talking about 536 B.C. And what I want you to see is that there was a two-year revival and reviving of the people of God. In 538 B.C., the proclamation went forth and the people obeyed and they went and they went back to Jerusalem. And what you see in Ezra chapter 3 is that they began to rebuild the temple. And the first thing they started with in chapter 3 of Ezra in verses 1 through 7 was the altar. They built the altar so they could begin to already worship God and offering up sacrifices and keeping some of the, the feast and the festivities that they were supposed to do. But if you notice in verse 6 of chapter 3 of Ezra, it says there the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. So they first come there, the people gather together as one, and they begin to contribute physically and financially to the building of this temple, starting with the altar for their worship. And then when you look in chapter 3 of Ezra, beginning in verse 8 down to the end of chapter 3, now they actually build and lay the foundation for the temple 
temple, the house of the Lord, as it says there in verse 11, the house of the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So for two years, this is what they're doing. This is a people who are excited and they're worshiping God and they're working for the Lord. But then, when you look over in chapter 4 of Ezra, you come down to verse 24 and notice what it says there. The work on the house of God in Jerusalem ceased. And it was stopped until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And what I want you to see there is, is that they stopped working for 16 years. They built the altar. They laid the foundation. And when we come to the book of Haggai there, in the second year of Darius, we see that 16 years have gone by and they haven't laid one more piece of stone for the temple. Now, why did that happen? What contributed to their stopping? Again, this is a group of people that are on fire for the Lord. They're on fire for the things of God. They're there. They're they're worshiping and they're working and they're, they're building towards. They have their purpose. They have their mission. What it is they're there to do. And then they stop. Well, they stopped and they remain stopped because of being discouraged. The discouragement started back in chapter 3 of Ezra. Go back there for a moment. This discouragement came from just within the people themselves. Because as they're laying the foundation of the house of the Lord, notice what it says there in verse 12. Yet many of the priests and the Levites and heads of the fathers' households, the old men who had seen the first temple, They're weeping with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes while many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the shout of joy from the sound of the weeping of the people for the people shouted with a loud shout and the sound was heard far away. Some were discouraged because as they're beginning to to look at some of the things that are happening They're seeing it may not be what it once was in that first temple. And so they're not shouting with joy. They're they're weeping about this. Then secondly, the reason why they stopped is because of the outside pressure that was brought upon them that continued. It never really let up. In chapter 4 of Ezra in verse 1, you have the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the people of the exile were building a temple to the Lord God of Israel. And so the first thing they do there in verses 1 through 3 is attempt to cause the people of God to compromise on their mission. When they ask to join in, they're really wanting them to compromise and building this and doing this and worshiping God in the way God had called on them to do it. That was the first threat. Then, 
Notice in verse 4 and 5 of chapter 4 in Ezra, then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and frightened them from building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their counsel all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Whenever they wouldn't allow them to join in, they actually had people there that were intentionally, continually discouraging them from continuing the building of the temple. And here's a lesson I think we need to think about. It is from their discouragement within and the discouragement that was coming from without that eventually they gave in And they didn't just stop because there is a a decree that is issued that causes them to stop. But they remained stopped in their building of the temple. And as we're going to see when we get back into Haggai chapter 1, that as the years go by, it's not just that the threat that was coming against them is that the people of God became complacent. That is, they became very comfortable and they became very content with the temple only having a foundation. They became very comfortable with worship that was not honoring and glorifying of God. And the reason why they became comfortable with that is because the interest of the world began to slowly and gradually grab their attention. And so as long as they had the things going on in their own life and doing all the things that they were wanting to do, they were content with the things of God struggling, suffering. And that's what we're going to see when we get back Next Sunday in the Haggai chapter 1, that's the first thing that he has to address with them. But beloved, may I say for us, even here today, far too often with too many of God's people, too many churches, because of discouragement, being discouraged about something, maybe even something that that happens uh, in in the church, uh, that you, you just stop. And then once you stop, then it's kind of hard to get back re-engaged. And you just slowly but surely, as the, as the weeks go by, as the months go by, as the years go by, and you just become complacent. You become complacent with a lack of priorities and pursuit of the things of God. And this is what is going to have to be addressed with the people of God in Haggai's day that they needed to be recommitted to the Lord. When God's people are suffering from being spiritually lethargic and suffering from materialism, they have to be challenged from God's word about their commitments. And the areas that Haggai is going to address, I think, are areas that are always key in regards to revival 
and a reviving of the people of God, wherever those people of God may be, whatever the day may be in which they live, that they have to be revived in the area of their priorities. They have to be revived in the area of their purity. And they have to be revived in the area of their purpose, their perspective about things. And this is what Haggai does. And he does it, on one hand, through rebuking the people, and on the other hand, encouraging the people. Now, as we look back here for a moment, go back to Haggai. If you, if you move with me to Ezra. And I want you to see this for a moment, that when we're talking about the reviving of the people of God, that it always must start with God himself. It doesn't start with us. It starts with God. God must initiate this. And we see he does initiate this there in verse 1, chapter 1, that we just looked at a moment ago. It's the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai. God brought a prophetic word to Haggai to be delivered to the people of God. So if there's going to be revival, revival starts with the speaking forth of the word of God. The proclamation of the word. Now, we don't need new revelation. We don't need prophetic words in the sense that they have here. What we need to do is go and study the prophetic word that's already been delivered for us here through the prophet Haggai. And really, this, this whole book is just based on at least four messages the first message begins here in chapter 1, verse 1, and goes all the way down to verse 15, all of the chapter. The second message is going to come in chapter 2 and verse 1 and go down to verse 9. The third message is going to come in verses 10 through 19 of chapter 2. And then finally, the final message is chapter 2, verse 20 and 23. And what we're going to see is, is that what this is ultimately all about is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's all about Christ. But beloved, for there to be revival, there must be the speaking forth of the word of God. But secondly, there must be the stirring of the people of God by the spirit of God. It is God's spirit that must stir. It is God's spirit that must bring the understanding and the willingness of the people. Look with me there in Haggai in chapter 1. Look over in verse 14 where it says, The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. Do you remember what we read back in Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1? It was the Lord who stirred the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Cyrus didn't naturally have a desire to issue this proclamation. It was the Lord God who stirred his spirit to do it. It's the Lord God that we're going to see is going to be in the midst of his people here. As it says in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 5, he says, My spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. It's going to be the Spirit of God 
that must be sovereignly stirring the hearts of the people. You see, beloved, ultimately, that's why we cannot really schedule genuine revival. We can't schedule that. Why? Because we can't schedule the Spirit of God. Now, we can faithfully proclaim the gospel, and we can faithfully, we're going to see in a moment, be submitting to the Word of God. But when there is going to be revival, it's going to involve the speaking forth of the Word of God, and it's going to involve the stirring of the people of God by the Spirit. And that must continue. And let me just say this also, Revival, revival would tend to lead then to transformation, reformation of our lives, reformation even of the, of the people of God and the, the body of Christ. You see, revival is really when God begins to initially stir the people, move the people, get them going in the right direction. But to sustain that, it really just comes back to the, the, the proclamation of the Word of God and the people of God just listening and obeying what God's Word says. Because if we were to go back into the book of Ezra, what you would see there is that, that Ezra comes to Jerusalem. Remember that we have this crowd of thousands that come in, in Ezra chapter 2. They build the altar. They lay the foundation. And then it says, now after these things had happened, Ezra comes, the scribe, who is skilled in, in understanding the law of Moses and the word of God. And what does he do? He sets his heart to studying the word of God, practicing the word of God, and teaching the word of God to the people so that then they would hear it, understand it, obey it, and live it. And as he begins to do this, the people begin to hear what Ezra has to say and they begin to see how their lives are, are out of sync with the Word of God and they have to repent and change and there's a reformation that's going on among the people of God. That's after they've been revived in their commitment to the Lord. Beloved, also let me just say this. Revival does require the speaking forth of the word and the stirring of the spirit, but it does thirdly require the submission of the people. The submission of the people. Look again with me in chapter 1 of Haggai and verse 12. This is beginning the response. Haggai delivers his first message to the people, beginning in verse 2, all the way down to verse 11. And then in verse 12, it says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shutil, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Yes, beloved, we must respond in obedience. And we must respond in reverence to our Lord and our God.
That's when we know that there is revival that is taking place in our hearts, in our lives, in our church. And as I said, what we're going to, some of the things we're going to focus on when we go through these messages is that what needed to change for the people was their priorities. And then they needed to change in regards to their understanding about purity among them. They needed to change in their perspective and they needed to change and, and that is go back to remembering what their purpose was all about. What this was all about. And Haggai is going to do that through the word of the Lord that comes to him. Then on one hand, as I said, he's going to be rebuking the people, but then he's going to sense they're going to have some of the same struggles that we saw back in Ezra that led to the discouragement that led to their stopping. That is, as they begin to rebuild this temple, again, we're going to see over in chapter 2, some of them are going to begin to be discouraged by what they see. Because it's not going to look anything like, I mean, it's not going to be as far as maybe the size and the scope of some of this. They're looking at this in comparison to the things they had seen with Solomon's temple, and they're thinking, oh, this doesn't even compare to it. And like, why should we keep going on with this? And then also, when we put it all together, you can go back in the book of Ezra and you'll see that when they began again the rebuilding, pressure came again to them from the outside to stop. This time, they remain faithful. This time, God has his hand of protection for them. And he delivers them from those that are in the government over them. But the whole purpose of this, beloved, when you look back to what this is leading to, is we'll see. Turn over to Haggai chapter 2. And this is one of the ways he helps to keep them on track about their mission, about their purpose, and about the ultimate purpose of God. When it says there, beginning in verse 20, that when the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of the kingdoms of the nations. I will overthrow the chariots and their riders, and the horses and their riders will go down, every one by the sword of another. On that day... And we're going to show what that day. He's talking about a future day. It's still a future from us as well. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. That is referring to the Messiah. That is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that God is encouraging the people to keep moving forward in their revival and moving forward in their purpose and what they're about is reminding them of the future that he has in store for them. So, beloved, let me just 
wrap this up this morning in this way. When you read through Haggai, the two, cha- two chapters, it's about 38 verses. It's the second shortest book here in the Old Testament. We don't know much about Haggai himself. We're not told very much about him. But we know that they, what God does here does lead to revival of the people. And we know that because of what we're told over in Ezra. In Ezra chapter 5, listen to this. When the prophets Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them, then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Joshua the son of Josadak arose and began to rebuild the house of God which is in Jerusalem and the prophets of God were with them supporting them. They began to do what God's word had said to do. It led to a revival among the people. So here's how I would ask you this morning and Closing. One, do you need revival? Do you need revival? I'm talking about you personally. Do you need revival? And if the answer to that question is yes, then my second question is this Do you want revival? I mean, we can all maybe agree that we need revival, but do we really want revival? Do we want a revival in regards to our priorities? Do we want a revival in regards to our purity? Do we want a revival in regards to our purpose and what we're about, why we're here? Well, beloved, if you do want revival, then may I encourage you and plead with you to ask God, to ask God to have the faithful speaking forth of His Word. And may I encourage you and plead with you to ask God that His Spirit will so stir your heart in our hearts. Ask God to so give you a heart that you want to and you're willing to submit to the Word of God. You're willing to submit all your priorities over to Him. You're willing to submit all your purpose in life over to Him. You're willing to submit everything over to Him. And if his word says it, you just want God, give me a spirit that says, I will obey it. And I will revere you and worship you. Or give me a heart that's willing to repent, that's willing to change, even if it is costly. Because no doubt, which we're going to see for the people of God in Haggai's day, it would be costly. They have spent 16 years going, drifting in their own direction. 
And now God's speaking to them and saying, you've got to repent. You've got to repent about some things and get your focus back on where it's supposed to be. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.